This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to episode 11 of the Catholic Foodie, Lent. There's something fishy going on. So what's on the menu today? Well, fish, feedback, public displays of religion, and a cooking show recommendation. I'm also going to give you a sneak peek into episode 12. And we are in the second week of Lent. I think that the second week of Lent is a good time for me and you, for us, to step back and to ask ourselves the question, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, Two weeks ago, I was asking, what are you doing? Uh, On Facebook, uh, there's a Catholic Foodie homepage or group page. And about two weeks ago, I sent out a message to all the members And I was asking them this very simple question, what are you doing for Lent? And I received many responses. Matter of fact, I uh, I sent it out via Plurk as well, and I received many, many responses. And I'm going to share some of those with you today on the show. As a matter of fact, we are going to do feedback first today. I think that the feedback that I received really does uh, lead us in well uh, into the topics that we'll discuss on the show, which of course will include fish, since we cannot eat meat on Fridays, and all of this and more is on the menu here at The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'd like to start out by sharing with you a few emails that we received. Uh, The first one is from our good friend Mike Thomas. Mike writes, our family has three categories we try to do as individuals and then as a family. We have to give something up to do something and grow intellectually. For example, my wife or I may give up eating out, uh, pray the daily rosary, and read a Catholic book. Each member of the family would cover these three areas, age-adjusted appropriately. Then the family will do the same as a group. For example, we will give up treats every time we go out, attend the Stations of the Cross as a family, and read the Magnificat readings nightly as a family. That's a tradition that we have started as a family, and um, that's what we're doing for Lent. So thank you so much, Mike, for sending that. And it sounds like a great plan, actually. It sounds like a great plan. Uh, We also received, let's see, where did I put it? Received an email from uh, Sissy. Where did I put that thing? Here it is. Uh, We received an email from Sissy, and she says... um, when she says during Lent she's just trying to improve herself, to be a better person, and to, to try to be the person that the Lord uh, wants her to be. And which I think is really the heart of Lent, is, is, to try, is to do things, whether it's giving something up or doing something extra. It's trying to do something to, make, to, to, to become more and more the person that the Lord wants each of us to be. So, Sissy, that's, once again, that's a great plan for Lent. And let's see, Skip. Skip is a Plurk buddy of mine. And Skip wrote in and he said that uh, he's going to try to meditate uh, at least one time a day, two if possible, and uh, to, to, to do that for about 10 minutes uh, each time. So uh, that's, that's wonderful. And matter of fact, I, I try to meditate. For me, it's uh, always easier to meditate praying the rosary because the repetition of the prayers kind of helps me to, uh, to focus and to concentrate. So that's always a, uh, a big help uh, for me. Uh, Patrick Moore, I'm going to share his, I'm going to save his email. I'm going to sh- uh, share it in, in just a little bit. Uh, we have Jill Bassetti. 
Um, I know her uh, mainly as Jill Munch. Her brother and I went to the seminary together, and her brother Chris is now Father Chris. He's been uh, uh, ordained for a number of years now. And um, anyway, so, so we spent some time together whenever she would come to, uh, like, I don't know, uh, family days or whatever, the seminary. Uh, and matter of fact, we went out, uh, Father Chris took us out to his house, and we went fishing one day and had a picnic. And so I got to meet Jill then. Anyway, she, she wrote in and she said that for Lent, uh, she's given up yummy, delicious, decadent mint Milano cookies. It's, she says they are a favorite, or my favorite, with my morning coffee. And she's also trying to commit herself to one extra Mass a week and to try to go to the Stations of the Cross at least a few times during Lent. Awesome. That's awesome. And then on Facebook, Rainy Herbert sent me a message, and she says that for Lent she's trying not to eat sweets, and she's trying to read the Bible more. So that's wonderful. Uh, That'll really bring you in contact with God. You're reading the Word of God. So uh, good job, Rainy, and uh, good luck with your Lenten commitment. Well, if you have been listening to the show and maybe uh, hearing the last several episodes, I mean, we're, this is episode 11, so you may have listened to all 10 previous shows, or if you've listened at least to the, since uh, episode 7, I believe, uh, then you may recognize the name Patrick Moore. Patrick is a friend of mine, he's in my parish, and he is a very eloquent man. He has a way with words, and he sent in a, a, an email uh, about Lent, and uh, it, it's so wonderful, I want to read the whole thing uh, to you. It says, Dear Jeff, I've been enjoying the Catholic foodie very much. I hooked in at episode 7. I've never missed an episode since. You do a great job. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, you asked for feedback about Lenten traditions. As children, we were encouraged to give up something we liked, and food was always the easiest target. I gave up candy every year, but since my parents only bought candy... <laughs> For us at Christmas, it was an illusory sacrifice. Uh, I didn't even fool myself, and I remember telling a priest about it in confession when I was in second grade at St. Cornelius School in Richmond, California. I sinned while engaging in a proper Catholic tradition because I didn't do it with the proper spirit, and thus began the downward spiral of my Lenten sacrifice that persists to this day, at least where food is concerned. I remember my mother, who was born in Abbeville, Louisiana, and raised in New Orleans, making a point of serving fish on Fridays during Lent and frequently on random Fridays throughout the year. During Lent, she often served what she called summer plate, as had her mother before her. Summer plate was a small green salad, a dollop of tuna salad with chopped celery, a small pile of macaroni salad, a few crackers, and a deviled egg. All of these items were arranged on a dinner plate and chilled before serving. I loved summer plate, particularly the deviled egg. Thus, the downward spiral of my Lenten sacrifice continued. Until writing this, I hadn't thought of summer plate in almost 30 years. Plainly, it's time for a trip down gastro memory lane and a return to summer plate. I'll make it soon. I matriculated for my mother's dubious Lenten influences when I married a nice Cajun girl. Sadly, our Lenten sacrifices as a married couple, at least those having to do with food, continue to be illusory. These days, we frequently attend the Friday night fish fries held at St. Peter's in Covington during Lent, which are universally fun. If we don't eat at St. Peter, we eat some other seafood on Lenten Fridays, frequently fried catfish, 
either at home or at a restaurant. In doing so, we engage in the simultaneous cultivation of Lenten failure and conformity, the resulting product being Catholic guilt at its best. We aren't suffering too terribly, however, because the whole family partakes of the conflictuous ritual every Friday during Lent, and it's something Kelly, our three children, and I look forward to all week. In closing, I'll tell a little story. About five years ago, I had a business lunch with a colleague. The lunch happened to take place on a Friday during Lent, and knowing my friend was not Catholic, I was surprised when he referred to Lent while ordering a very simple, meat-free lunch. Upon my query, he explained that while he and his wife were Methodists, they both admired the Lenten sacrifice and had made it a tradition to fast during Lent. I was then and remain today impressed by his actions and came away from lunch that day with a heightened appreciation for our Lenten tradition and the example it sets for other Christians. Thanks again, Jeff, for producing the Catholic Foodie, and God bless. Sincerely, your friend, Patrick. Thank you so much, Patrick. And uh, the reason I, I wanted to read this whole thing, first of all, it's beautiful, uh, very well written, very eloquent. Uh, but I also wanted to um, to read this, this the whole email uh, because... Patrick hits on at least two points that I wanted to uh, to bring out in this episode. As a matter of fact, these two points really were the inspiration behind this episode. Uh, the first being uh, a fish. You know, uh, uh, we can't eat meat on Fridays, so we eat fish. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And then also the whole aspect of uh, public displays of religion. I forgot to mention in the feedback section that uh, I actually met one of our listeners. Uh, she's a parishioner at uh, our parish, actually, and her name is Kim Wright. So I want to give a little shout-out to Kim, and I want to thank her because we were at a marriage talk at our parish about two weeks ago, and uh, after the talk, she came out, uh, or came up to me, rather, and, and introduced herself. Uh, she knows my wife. She knows Char, but I had never uh, met Kim. And so she introduced herself and just started to tell me how much she enjoys the Catholic foodie and just had some very kind words, very encouraging words, nice words to say to me about the Catholic foodie. And I just, I really appreciate that so much. Um, so Kim, I want to say thank you and I uh, look forward to seeing you again. And, you know, once again, you know, the whole feedback thing, Char and I, you know, I just, I love to produce this show. It's, it's a lot of fun and uh, I want to keep doing it. And, and so it's almost like independent of receiving any feedback, uh, it's fun, and I, and I like to do that. But feedback adds another whole nother dimension, a whole nother dimension, and it makes the podcast really into a dialogue, right, a conversation, much like you would have around a table, except here we're not around a table, we're just talking about food instead of eating food, but it's a conversation nonetheless. And so feedback is what really brings the podcast full circle. And makes it into a uh, into a dialogue, a conversation. So if you have not yet left feedback, any kind of feedback, any uh, question, statement, uh, comments about anything we talk about on on the show, 
or if there's something that you would like for us to talk about on the show, please let us know. And I'm going to give you the information on how to contact us again at the end of the show, but I'll do it now as well. The, uh, you can reach me by email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And the, uh, the phone number where you can leave a voice message is 985-635-4974. So I wanted to get that out the way. Thank you so much, Kim. And we're going to talk now about fish. Uh, you know, this is kind of universally known, really, among Catholics and non-Catholics alike, that uh, Catholics during Lent on Fridays don't eat meat. And it's it's funny how, and, and Patrick's email kind of brings this out, it's funny how those traditions, even though they're Catholic, uh, they also influence non-Catholics. Other Christians sometimes adopt those uh, those traditions. So a question popped into my head about a week ago, and I'd never thought of this before. But the question was simply, why fish? You know, we can't eat meat, but in a way, isn't fish kind of like meat? It's from an animal. Uh, you know, why, why can we eat fish but not meat? So I, I did some thinking. You know, immediately before I did anything else, ideas started to flow through my head, and I came up with really what turns out to be some pretty fanciful ideas. Uh, I started thinking, okay, fish, and I wonder if that's related to like the ichthus, right, the ancient fish symbol for, uh, for Christ. Um, you know, you have the, the, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes in the gospel, you know, and it's like that has really distinct uh, Eucharistic overtones, right, the, the loaves and the fish that gathered all the remaining pieces and put it into uh, baskets, right, so that nothing would be wasted, kind of like, uh, you know, we do with the Eucharist. We don't want anything to be wasted. We reverence the Eucharist, and uh, not even a crumb is to fall on the ground. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of maybe a relation there, why, why we eat fish on, on Fridays. And then, of course, you have the Eucharist itself, right? Christ is the is the, the ichthus, the, the, the symbol of Christ, and then you have Christ in the Eucharist, right? Fish we eat to sustain our bodies, and, and the Eucharist we eat to sustain our souls. So, I, you know, I had all these ideas. Well, it turns out that uh, I, that has nothing to do at all with, with, with why we eat fish on, uh, on Fridays. And I, I did a little research and come to find out the very simple reason is because fish isn't considered to be meat. That's the bottom line. Uh, meat refers to animals that live on land. And, you know, typically, I guess, red meat. Uh, that's, that's what they're referring to. And uh, fish is not red meat. It's not, it doesn't live on land. A fish lives in the sea. So I actually I, I looked up, and I don't have it in front of me, but I looked up in canon law. There, there were two paragraphs in canon law that uh, dealt with this question of fish. And the first one basically stated what I just said. Fish is not meat. Um, meat is to be prohibited on Fridays during Lent. And uh, fish and poultry, actually, or, or fish and fowl, I should say, are not considered to be meat because traditionally uh, birds are in the air, right? They're, they're from the air, they're in the air, and uh, they're not on the land, typically. Now, this is, this is, this is kind of a, a, in general. And uh, then fish, of course. 
And the second paragraph basically states that uh, universally in the church, there's no meat on Fridays, all right, universally. But each bishop's conference, right, each bishop conference for different uh, countries throughout the world, they have the authority to uh, make more requirements, to make more restrictions or define more restrictions for uh, Fridays in Lent. And so here in the United States, of course, we, we have fish on Friday. We cannot eat fowl, all right? Chicken is considered to be meat, so we don't eat chicken. We can eat eggs, but we can't eat chicken. So uh, that's kind of the story behind the fish. Uh, I found it to be very interesting, uh, even though my idea wasn't uh, the truth. It was just a fanciful idea. But I thought it was kind of good, a little symbolic, you know, and spiritual and uh, but in actuality, it's very, very practical reason there. But fish is something that uh, is, is uh, well, nowadays, let me ask you, although you can't really answer me, is fish really that much of a sacrifice? Is it that much of a sacrifice for us today not to eat meat on Fridays? You know, I think if you, if you think back for generations, you know, generations back or even throughout the centuries since, since the founding of the church, uh, for some people, geographically, not eating meat on Friday was a big deal. Uh, they may not have had access to fish. But in today's society, in our technological society where transportation, I mean, you could be, you know, in the United States in the morning and be clearly, you know, halfway or, or all the way, really, across the, on the other side of the world by the afternoon. You know, transportation is amazing. All the technology we have is amazing. Back in, you know, generations ago, they couldn't freeze seafood in order to ship it. And seafood is something that you really have to keep on ice. You have to keep it preserved uh, or it can go bad very quickly. Um, but today we can. We can freeze stuff and ship it all over the world. Uh, you have, you know, sushi restaurants. You can go to a sushi restaurant and they will serve you fish that was swimming that the, the day before, in the afternoon the day before, in Japan, right off the coast of Japan, and it was flown in overnight and is being served to you the next day. Now, that's not in every sushi, sushi restaurant, and it's not all the time, but I have been in restaurants where they had just gotten a shipment in, and that, that fish was swimming the, the afternoon before. So, um, you know, today is, is very different. We, we can, it, it's kind of, it's not much of a sacrifice to give up meat on Friday and to eat just fish, right? You don't have to eat fish. You can eat other things as well uh, or not eat at all, but uh, fish is permitted. So it, it kind of, you know, that's, that's kind of like for the entire nation. I'll just talk about the United States for now. But it's particularly not a sacrifice for those of us that live in the South, you know, kind of around... Um, the Gulf of Mexico, or along the East Coast, or the West Coast, you know, all these coastal areas, you're right there by water, you're kind of accustomed to having seafood pretty much regularly, all the time. And I know here in Louisiana, on our license plates, uh, the, the phrase, the logo, the motto on the back of our license plate is Sportsman's Paradise. So you have lots of hunting that goes on and a whole bunch of fishing. Right, everybody fishes. It's a, um, it's it's a wonderful thing. We have not only the Gulf of Mexico, but tons of rivers and ponds and lakes. We have water all over the place in Louisiana. 
So fish is not really much of a sacrifice, and Patrick brings that out in his email. Um, it, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, you keep the letter of the law, I guess, and miss the spirit of the law. And it's really up to us individually to understand what this Lenten sacrifice is all about and in our hearts to kind of make those decisions we need to make in order to make real sacrifices. Uh, eating fish on Friday is not much of a sacrifice. Matter of fact, this past Friday I worked with the uh, the Knights of Columbus in our parish, St. Peter, the, the same St. Peter that Patrick referred to, uh, referred to. I worked there with the Knights of Columbus on the fish fry. And I left there so stuffed, it was unbelievable. Uh, I was in the back in the kitchen um, flouring, right, uh, coating the, the fish before they were fried. And they do the entire, like, side of the fish, right, the entire fillet of the, of the, of the fish, catfish. And when one, for whatever reason, when one would break, they wanted to, to, to sell them whole. Uh, when one would break, they would put it in a basket and they would keep it in the kitchen, kind of right there by where we were. Uh, there was four of us working, taking care of the fish that way. And, um, you know, you just reach in the basket and grab a piece of fish and eat it whenever you want. So you're there for a few hours cooking, two, three hours cooking. And, I mean, goodness gracious, I, I was stuffed when I left um, that uh, that night, you know. And it, it makes me wonder whether I should go back and help this Friday. I don't know if I have the uh, the willpower to not eat the fish that's there. So that's kind of a story uh, about fish and the way it impacts us today. I mean, it's not really much of a Lenten sacrifice, but it can be. It can be if we uh, if we make the decisions that we need to make to really make a, a heartfelt sacrifice this Lent. And that sacrifice should be something that brings us closer to God, not simply an act of the will in order to try to strengthen our willpower. Although that's that's got its place, but uh, I think the whole point is to bring us closer to God this Lent. Okay, I'm going to stop rambling for a minute, and I'd like to play a little sound clip for you. Uh, fish is not the only thing down here in the South that we eat, especially South Louisiana, during Lent. Uh, there's something else, and I've got a little sound clip here I want to play, and you, uh, if, if you're from South Louisiana, you're probably going to know right off the bat what it is. Um, the, the rest of you, you'll have to wait a minute before you uh, you find out.
maybe potatoes and celery and onions. Mushrooms. Mushrooms. Potatoes. Maybe whole potatoes. Potatoes. Oh yeah, corn. All kind of good stuff goes in here with the crawfish, right? Well, that was a uh, crawfish boil we had at my in-laws' house. Uh, the the week of uh, of Ash Wednesday, of Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday, it was the day after Ash Wednesday. On that Thursday, we went to Baton Rouge, and we, uh, my 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 father-in-law was having a, a birthday. We bo- uh, boiled crawfish, and uh, that was pretty much the only sound clip I took that day. I had intended on getting more, uh, but the crawfish were so good, and it's so much fun boiling them that. Uh, I kind of neglected to turn on my recorder. So, um, actually, I I am thinking about doing an, another show, kind of uh, around you know about crawfish a little bit later uh, in the season. And I, I would like to, I really really would like to do that. And I'm thinking actually about doing a video uh, episode, so you can actually see a uh, you know a, see us boiling crawfish. Um, it's it's funny because. We boil them at home. Uh, many people go out, they'll eat crawfish, they'll order them at a restaurant, or they'll pick them up from a seafood market, bring them home and eat them, and not boil them. But my my mother-in-law has the perfect method for uh, boiling crawfish. She's been doing this for years, and her recipe is the best. And, you know, being from Louisiana, I've tried crawfish from all over, and uh, hers are by far the best. And I'm very happy that she passed on that secret to Char and I. So we use her recipe, and we are spoiled. We can't go anywhere else and and you know buy crawfish that are already boiled. Now, if we're going somewhere and they're they're you know at a party or something, and they're boiling crawfish, then we would uh, definitely partake of the crawfish. But um, if if you're going to talk about purchasing crawfish, we will purchase them live and not. Boiled. Now we haven't bought any this season uh, because they are so expensive this year. Uh, the the I have seen them as high as three seventy nine a pound live, and three eighty nine a pound cooked, right boiled. Um, but normally, I mean that's that's just like way outrageously expensive. The ones that we had at my uh, in laws uh, two weeks ago, they were three fifty a pound. It's just un, unheard of how expensive they are. And they say that it's because of it's, – it's a, it's a rough season because of the big storms we had in the fall. If you remember the big hurricanes and, and tropical storms that came through, that it affected the crop. So I've heard that it's going to be pretty rough this year, this season. But I've also heard another report saying that it's not, it's not going to stay this way, that it's just sort of delayed the crop and uh, that they will be coming. So when we normally, every year when we boil – we're getting crawfish for $1.39 a pound, $1.29 a pound, $1.19 a pound uh, live, you know, and we'll get uh, 40, 45 pounds of crawfish, and, uh, and that's doable. But three fifty a pound for crawfish is outrageous. So uh, we have not done any yet this year. But when we do, when we do, uh, you will be there. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it.
I'm sorry, this is the fun bee. The humdrum bee is back there. Well, uh, I, I want to talk just for a minute about public displays of religion. Um, as Catholics, you know, we kind of take it for granted. Our, our religion, our faith is very um, physical, uh, right? Just Jesus is the incarnate word. He's not just a spirit. Uh, he's not just out there, some ethereal sort of being, right? He's, he's, he's a person, a real human person as well as God. Now, God has no body, but Jesus is that bridge, right? He is that bridge, the, uh, the pontus in Latin, uh, the bridge between um, the human and the divine. Uh, matter of fact, by the way, from the Latin, pontus, that's, that means bridge. So that's where we get the words pontiff and pontifex. Pontifex is the bridge builder, and pontiff comes from that. So that's what we use for the, the Holy Father. He is a bridge builder. So because Jesus, because God is no longer just spirit, he is actually, he's taken on human flesh in Jesus. He is bodily. Our faith is not just uh, spiritual, not just spiritual. We're not, our, our, our faith, our religion isn't just a matter of uh, some kind of transcendental meditation kind of stuff, right? We have sacraments that are very physical. Uh, you, you have water and baptism. You have chrism they also use in baptism. We have bread and wine in the Eucharist. We have uh, the, 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 the holy oil, the, the chrism that they use uh, for confirmation. You have, um, actually, in confession, the, the, uh, the matter is actually the, the person's confession of sins, and uh, his repentance within his heart, right, the contrition, and then the words of the priest, the words of absolution. But the, the actual material, what has to happen in confession, is that confession of sins, the, the words that come out of the mouth of the person confessing. So very interesting. Same thing with marriage. The actual material is spoken words. It's, it's the husband and wife, or the, the soon-to-be, the bride and groom, actually, soon-to-be husband and wife, uh, making vows to each other. They are the ones that confect the sacrament on each other. They're the ones that make the sacrament in the words that they speak, right, in their vows. The church is there, the priest or deacon is there simply to witness on behalf of the church the sacrament. They, the, the priest doesn't perform the sacrament of marriage. Very interesting thing to think about. So it's very f uh, physical, very physical. My cell phone is going off there. Um, and, and so we have these, I, I guess, displays of, a, of, a, of religion where we kind of take for granted. You, know, you may wear a scapular. Uh, and that scapular, if you're a student or you go to the gym and work out and you're changing or you're wearing a T-shirt and the neck is kind of loose and your scapular is kind of hanging out, uh, other people will see it. And guess what? Your religion has then become public. Um, there are other sorts of, of public displays like processions. If you go on a procession, that's a public display of religion. We have actually in Lent uh, for the last few years, uh, the family, we have gone uh, on these what we call a pilgrimage, I believe, and I think it was to nine churches, a pilgrimage of the nine churches, something to that effect. We have station churches set up. We went in New Orleans a couple of times. We've been doing this in, in the uptown, downtown area of New Orleans. We also went to Lafayette. I think that was last year, went to Lafayette and did it there as well. 
And basically, you walk all day. You walk from one church to the next. You stop and you pray and do certain prayers, like the the, way, the station of the cross, that's one station per church. You start in the morning, and eventually you wind up at a particular church you want to, to reach by 3 o'clock, so you can attend the 3 o'clock service. And so this is a wonderful example of public display of religion because you are, it's a group of us going down the street, walking down the street on the sidewalk or whatever, the first person in front is carrying this big cross, and you have a throng of people behind them, and typically they're carrying their rosaries, and they are praying the rosary or praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, or they're singing songs. Uh, it's, it's a very spiritual thing, uh, this, this, this procession, this pilgrimage. But we used to have I mean, cars like just stopping and pulling over, looking at us like, what are these people doing? You know, it, 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 it um, grabs their attention. And we had uh, TV crews come out, the network or the news shows come out and, uh, and, and video us and interview some of us uh, for news stories. And so, but th those, are, those things are witnesses, right? It's a witness to your faith. Same thing happens when you go to a restaurant and you sit down to eat. Do you say the prayer? Do you say a blessing over your food uh, in a restaurant? And that was something that a long time ago I remember kind of being embarrassed about. But now I don't think anything of it. You know, we go to a restaurant. We're going to pray like we pray at home. So we we say our blessing, and restaurants as well. That is a witness once again to the faith, uh, giving public testimony to your your faith in Jesus and 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 being a member of the church. And also um, another example is this whole Lenten observance, this Lenten sacrifice, right? Of uh, no meat on Friday. Other people see that. You go to the store or, or to a restaurant, excuse me, and you order uh, no meat and you order fish or something on Friday and Lent. And, I mean, all the restaurants expect this. All the ones that serve seafood expect this. They know how Lent is going to affect their business. You have national chains like Pizza Hut and Papa John's and Domino's and other restaurants that serve uh, fish uh, or, or rather don't serve fish typically – our seafood, they'll start advertising shrimp pizzas and crawfish pizzas and all this stuff that uh, just just for Lent. At least they do that around here. I don't know if they do it anywhere else in the in the states. So it's public displays of religion, and it's very important because you know Saint Francis, one of his his famous quotes, he said, uh, "Preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words." So it's all about living the gospel. It's, a, it's about living your faith. And we give testimony um, to our faith in so many different ways. So in Lent, this Lent, let's think about that. And, and perhaps there are ways that me and you, the ways that we can, uh, can publicly show our faith, can, can give testimony to our faith. Hello, this is Sean from the Catholic Roundup. Lent is a time for reflection and for renewing and contemplating on our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. A number of people involved in Catholic New Media take the time during Lent to back off from their involvement in New Media and especially social media. But social media can also be a wonderful tool to connect people across vast distances. Catholic Roundup is going to host 
a Lenten day of reflection on Ustream and TalkShoe and using other streaming resources to help people involved in making or listening to Catholic podcasts and blogs and video casts come together virtually. Take some time out in prayer and reflection during Lent to help connect to our Lord Jesus Christ. On March 28th, we will be gathering in our own homes through the magic of Ustream to pray, reflect, talk a bit about how we use new media to spread the good news, and hopefully to just take a bit of quiet time. Check out catholicroundup.com for more information on the Catholic Roundup Lenten Day of Reflection. Thank you very much. Well, that was Sean McGahee, and he does such a wonderful job. Uh, if you are able to check out uh, his website, catholicroundup.com, uh, take a look at what he has uh, planned for the 28th. I think that's going to be a wonderful, uh, a wonderful event, wonderful opportunity. And I do plan. I'm a, I'm a, of course, my schedule is really dependent on my family, uh, but I am going to plan. I'm, I'm trying to uh, work it out to where I could be there for as much of the day as possible. So um, I do have a recommendation for you. I came across a cooking show quite by accident uh, about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, I think. And uh, it's, it's, you know, I teach Spanish in high school. And we were at a point where we had just taken a major test and we're about to get to the holidays. It's right before Mardi Gras. And I didn't want to just go on to new material. We had finished something that, that morning and I didn't want to just move on uh, in you know, the next half of the class. So, I knew this in advance. The day before, I was searching for something to show, and I didn't want to just show a fluff movie or, or whatever. So I decided, you know, I really love cooking, of course. This is the Catholic foodie. And I said, well, let me see if there's any cooking shows that deal with, like, Hispanic cuisine, you know, Mexican cuisine, Spanish cuisine, whatever. And lo and behold, I came across uh, a show. It's called Made in Spain with Jose Andres. And uh, this is it airs on PBS, but it's available on Netflix. That's where I found it. But it's also available on Hulu, Hulu.com. So uh, I showed it in my class. It was the first time I actually saw it. Was when I played it for my first class that morning. Excuse me. And it was wonderful. I I just fell in love with it. So I've been watching it ever since. And they've got uh, quite a bit of episodes. A number of episodes. Uh, and they're all available right there for free on Hulu.com. So I would like to play the intro for you, uh, kind of to whet your appetite. This particular episode is all about tuna and the different different ways that uh, they cook tuna or prepare tuna in Spain. Whatever the sea and the land meets is always great flavor. We are right now in the land of Sanlúcar de Barrameda, a beautiful town in the province of Cadiz. Today we'll fish for tuna in the Mediterranean Sea using a method that's centuries old. We'll eat some amazing crispy tapas made with tiny briny baby shrimp. We'll drink all the different kinds of sherry they make here. And I will take you to my kitchen back in Washington where I will show you how to make a beautiful sesame seer tuna with piquillo sauce and a fantastic tuna and potato tapa called Ensaladilla Rusa. I am Jose Andres and this is Made in Spain. 
Well, it really is such a wonderful show, and that that particular episode, I think it really appealed to my students because you see these these men out there fishing, catching these huge tuna, you know? So, um, wonderful. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for... Uh, this particular episode, the one on the tuna, and once again, uh, just it's Hulu.com, made in Spain. Uh, let's see, and I think that just about does it for this episode. Uh, we, I do want to give you a quick peek into next episode, episode twelve. And if you, uh, well, if if you're Catholic and you're listening to this this podcast, then you probably remember. That March 19th, which is coming up next week, is a special day. It is the feast day of St. Joseph. And there are many, many Catholics all over the world, a lot of them of Italian descent, that celebrate this day in special ways. So we are going to dedicate episode 12 to St. Joseph. I am going to visit a St. Joseph altar here in town. And I've got an interview to share with you and some pictures that I'm going to put on the website when the, the day comes. And uh, it's, I think you're going to find it very interesting. Also, um, I would love to include in that episode ways of uh, of ways that you maybe show devotion to Saint Joseph. You know, if you have a particular or, or a special relationship with Saint Joseph, he, if he's your patron saint, or you turn to him in certain situations for something, I would love to hear about it. I, I'd like to share it on the show. So if you um, if there's anything like answered prayers, if St. Joseph answered some of your prayers, then uh, please let me know. You can do that by email or, once again, voice message, uh, voice feedback, and I'm going to give you that information right now. Uh, it's also available on the website at catholicfoodie.com. If you don't have a pen to write down this information right now or you don't remember it later, you can always look it up at catholicfoodie.com. But the email address is catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And the voice feedback number is 985-635-4974. So I look forward to hearing from you. I want to hear all your stories about St. Joseph, and I'm going to share some more stories with you in episode 12. And until then, bon appetit.